young man in Afghanistan, life flashing before his eyes. In spite of bullets flying, his best friends dying, he made it back alive. Two years home, working fingers to the bone in a West Virginia coal mine. The earth started shaking, and the job he had taken ended up taking his life. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Young man walking hand in hand with his daddy down the hall. The battle's been long, he's got a ball cap on, no hair on his head at all. The doctors agreed he wouldn't reach 13. Oh, but look at him now Crossing the stage on graduation day Listening to cheers from the crowd Didn't see that coming No, didn't see that coming We never understand what's gonna happen next just live by faith and do your best a young man a gentleman the kind of man this whole world needs traveling around from town to town sharing hope giving strength to the weak his message of love it was more than enough but it came with a cost with thorns as a crown they nailed him down and lifted him up on that cross. Didn't see that coming, no. Didn't see that coming. They put him away in a cold, dark cave. But on that third day, he rose from the grave. I can almost hear them say, didn't see that coming, no, didn't see that coming, oh, didn't see that coming, no, didn't see that
Thank you, guys. I want to share one last song with you. I challenge you guys when you walk out of here today to understand God wants more than one day a week from you. He wants a week full of Sundays. She was up most every evening with a Bible in her hand. She was praying for my brother, my sister, and my dad. She lived her faith out daily with everything she had. She said it's not about the books you read or the verses that you quote. She said it's more about the way you love, how you give another hope. She said the good Lord wants a whole lot more from me than just one day a week. Cause your life is gonna show the world what's hidden in your heart. Will they see the light of God above or see the darkest parts? Will you help your brother when he's down or turn and walk away? Will you live your life for Jesus like a week full of Sundays? Charlie always sat there in the back with a smile on his face. He knew every line of every verse to songs like Amazing Grace. He was the kind of man that we all looked up to as he sat there in that pew. But he taught me more about this life with words he didn't say. How he'd go the extra mile to help someone along the way. He said the good Lord wants a whole lot more from me than just one day a week. Cause your life is gonna show the world what's hidden in your heart. Will they see the light of God above or see the darkest part? Will you help your brother when he's down or turn and walk away? Will you live your life for Jesus like a week full of Sundays? Well, I know that eyes are watching, and I know that I might be the closest thing to a Bible that another man may read. My life is going to show the world what's hidden in my heart. Will they see the light of God above or see the darkest parts? Will I help my brother when he's down or turn and walk away? Oh, yeah. I want to live my life for Jesus. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. Oh, let's live our lives for Jesus. Like a week full of Sundays. Like a week full of Sundays. Live every day for Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all put your hands together for John Randolph. My friend, my brother, I love you. 
Amazing. Praise God for John and his family. His family's here with us this morning. So good to have them this morning. So let me just tell you real quick that uh, Brother John is uh, is uh, got a table back there, and he let me know last night that he don't sell any CDs. He gives them away. If you can give him a love offer of any amount, or if you ain't got it today, put that in your truck, man. I'm telling you, KSBJ ain't playing that. Cowboys, y'all understand what I'm talking about. They ain't playing. My wife, she loves that KSBJ. I love that John Randolph <laughs> and that stuff he be doing. So praise God. Get you a CD. Make sure you make your way back there. Thank them for being here. Dr. Gene Williams, your turn, my brother. God bless you. Amen. Get your hands together for Dr. Gene. Well, I wish, I tell you what, I wish that uh, we could have that music all day long. Amen. But uh, I look at my watch and I find that we have 19 minutes before the hour. And they told me I had to get through by 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, he said I'd go as long as I want one. Now, that's, tw that's about 2, 3, or 4, 5 o'clock. But <laughs> f find out uh, I do need to preach a little past 11. How many of you would be glad for me to give you the whole load? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, I tell you what. I do travel a lot, and I, I get on those airplanes, and uh, a lot of times I'll sit next to a fella that uh, say, he'll talk about everything else, you know, about the Dallas Cowboys and about the World Series and about different things, and you know, and, and then he'll say, what kind of work do you do? I say, well, I'm an evangelist. He'll say, what's that? I say, well, it's what Billy Graham does. Uh, he says, well, uh, then, then he kind of doesn't want to talk to him anymore, you know, because uh, actually, I, but the thing about it is, sometimes they'll talk and they'll say, you know, I, I think that a, a big judgment one day, that all of my good works, they'll be put on one side, and all my bad works on the other side, and if my good works are with my bad works, I go to heaven, but if my bad works are with my good works, I go to hell. That is not what God says in his Bible. You see, most people in this world believe that you're saved by your works. All the religions of the world, Hinduism, uh, Taoism, Buddhism, Islam, apostate Christianity, believe you're saved by what you do and not by what you trust. And so the fact is, uh, we're not saved by works. We're saved by what? Grace. All of the Bible talks about that, and yet there's a very, very uh, important scripture that I think we need to read today, and it's, it's probably the most uh, famous of all the uh, scriptures about grace, and it's found in Ephesians, and uh, if you have your Bibles, look with me, look with me to Ephesians, the second chapter, we're going to begin reading there with the eighth verse. Now, the third verse there says, among whom also we, and Paul includes himself, all had our conversation or our way of life in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And notice this, that we're by nature, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We're going to come back to that, but I want to read this about the grace here found in that 8th, ninth, and 10th verses. For, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
For we are his workmanship. That's when you're born again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. That's when you're born again. For we are his workmanship. It says, uh, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Dear friends, you're saved by grace. You say, wait, 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 wait a minute, does works, works not important? Yes, they're very, very important. They're the evidence of your being saved. If you've been saved, friend, you're not going to live like the devil. Amen? You're going to live like the Lord wants you to live. And the fact is, it says here that those that are saved by grace are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So if you've been saved, you're going to do the good works that God has saved you unto. Amen. Amen. Uh, so somebody says, wait, wait a minute, it looks to me like you ought to be able to be saved by your, your works. You know, I, I realize I've done some bad things uh, in my life. I've, I've told lies. I've used God's name in vain. I've, I've gotten drunk. I've, uh, I've t- taken dope. And uh, in addition to that, you know, I've, I, I've had lust in my heart and envy in my heart. And I've I, I realized that I've, 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 I've cussed and, and I've done all that kind of stuff and I've told all those lies and I've stolen a few things and uh, I've cheated a few times. And, but, but, but I realize I've done some bad things on one side, but I think I've done some good things too on the other side. Well, what have you done? Well, when, I was a, when I was a Boy Scout, I helped a little bit old lady across the street one time. And uh, not only that, but I tried my very best, you know, to stop at all the stop signs and if I miss one, I'll stop twice at the next one, and so therefore <laughs> I do my very best, you know, to obey the, uh, the laws and, and, and all the banking laws and all that kind of stuff. I, I think I've done that. Uh, so therefore, I, I think if you took all my good works and put them on one side and all my bad works and put them on the other side, that my good works would outweigh or outnumber my bad works and I'd go to heaven. That is not the way God does it, Amen. and that isn't even the way man does it. Man does not even do it like that. Just suppose a fellow went into a bank here in uh, uh, Conroe, and he, uh, he robbed that bank of uh, $50,000, and he killed a guard on the way out, and, and, uh, and uh, they, uh, they, they caught him and brought him back to Montgomery County, and he stood trial. And he said to the judge and to the jury, and now through his attorney, he says, Now, really and truly, I realize I robbed that bank, but I've only robbed one bank. Most of the time, I did not rob banks. A bunch of banks that I did not rob. I've gone to the banks many times in my life and did not rob the bank, and so therefore, I am not a bank robber. Now, I did rob that one bank, and just one bank is all I robbed, and as far as killing that guy, I just killed one. I could have killed a bunch of them. I could have killed a bunch of people all the days of my life, but the fact is, I only killed that one man that one time, so therefore, I am not a murderer, and I am not a bank robber. They say, did you rob that one bank? Yes, that makes you a bank robber. Did you murder that one man? Yes, I, I just murdered one. Well, that makes you a murderer. All you got to do, friend, to be a bank robber is to rob one bank. And all you got to do to be a murderer is to murder one person. And all you got to do to be a guilty sinner is to sin one time against God. And so, therefore, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anybody here that can say, I've never told a lie, lift your hand. And if you lift your hand, you're lying right now. <laughs> Anybody here that can say, I've never stolen anything in my life, 
Never stolen a cookie. Uh oh, that hand went down. <laughs> yeah, you know, you suck this up. I'm never going to steal a thief one time. Anybody can say, I've never stolen anything. Lift your hand. Okay, there's one still, you know, never stole any, com uh, any information over somebody else's paper, you know, thing like, thing like that. Anybody here? Now, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. How many times do you have to lie to be alive one time? How many times do you have to steal to be a thief one time? How many times do you have to sin to be a sinner? One time. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now the fact is you've got to be saved by grace because our works are wrong. If you're trying to be saved by your works, you're going to go to hell because your works are wrong. There's another reason why also, and that's because our motive would be wrong. You know, God knows your motive. He knows your heart. Now, I can't see into your heart, but God can. Amen? And, and though your wife or your husband or your parents cannot see in your heart, they kind of uh, know what you do you, uh, day, day by day. But the fact is, God knows our hearts. And what you do might be one thing, and what you really do it for might be another. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Suppose I did a lot of nice things for the preacher. I don't get excited. This is just an illustration. <laughs> but I call him, sir, and I open the car door for him. I bought him a steak dinner, and I might do that, but forget the rest. And I, I conferred upon him a doctor's degree and all those kind of different things. But the reason I did it was because I had something I wanted to get him to do for me. And so I kind of buttered him up in order to get him to do something for me. Now, if I all did all those things in order to get him to do something for me, did I do those things for him or for me? Which one? Yes, yeah, see, you're not so dumb. <laughs> Fact is, all of sin and come short of the glory of God, but also our motive would be wrong if we did things like that for one another. And if I did those things for him to get him to do something for me, it would not be for him, it would be for me, and therefore it would be selfish. And God knows your motives when you try to do things to please God. Why do you try to do things to please God? Well, if you're saying, hey, I realize if I do those things, I'll go to heaven. And so you're not trying to do these things because you love the Lord. You're doing those things because you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. And the very motive for which you do those things makes the thing you do wrong in God's sight. So you can't be saved by your works because if you're trying to be saved by your works, your works are wrong because your motive is wrong. So actually, if you sin against God and you try to do all these good things to please God so you won't go to hell, then the very thing you're doing helps to send you to hell. Now there's one more thing. He says here, that we're all by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, the reason why I can't be saved by my works, the reason you can't be saved by your works is because your, uh, your, your nature is wrong. You see, the reason you are a sinner is not because you sin. The reason you're a sinner is because you're a sinner by nature already, and you got that sinful nature from your parents. 
I gotta say it, you got that sinful nature from your daddy. And therefore, you are a sinner by nature. And the reason we sin is because of our nature. And that nature's gotta be changed. And I'll tell you what, you're not fit for heaven until that nature is changed. And that's what it means to be born again. So therefore, you're able to go to heaven because God changes your nature when you're born again and when you're saved by grace. And therefore, you're fit for heaven. But before that, dear friend, there's no way in the world you can be saved. There's no way in the world that you can go to heaven because your nature is wrong and it is a nature that drives you towards sin and causes you to sin. And therefore, you've got to be saved by grace. Somebody said, okay, you got me sold. You got me sold. I understand. I've got to be saved by grace. But what is grace? Well, I found out that, you know, if you uh, make it very simple, people can understand things. For instance, when I started preaching preachers, I started preaching a pre uh, teaching preachers, I, I found out that if I got it down where a nine-year-old could understand it, maybe the preachers would get it too. Well, I tell you what, uh, I'm going to get it down where a, a nine-year-old can understand it. But let me ask you a question. I want to give you an illustration. How many of you remember when you were seven years old? Raise your hand. Now, did you ever get a whipping? Yeah. When you were a child, did you ever get a whooping? Yeah. Now, you Yankees, you don't know what a whooping is, a whipping. <laughs> oh, Yankees, they get whippings, whippings. <laughs> oh, you know, Southerners, we get whoopings, amen. <laughs> and and a, a, a whooping's worse than a whipping, amen. A whooping's a whole lot worse than a whipping. I tell you what, I, 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 I got lots of whoopings. My mama used to whoop, she used to, but when my mama whooped me, she did it. Man, she did it. My mama, she never did it in, in all my life. Uh, you, you know, I'm going to get this back so I'm going to fall off this thing. How many come pick me up if I did? <laughs> but now, 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 my mama, one time, I never shall forget, I was seven years old, and I lived in Houston, Texas. And... Uh, and my mama said, now, I'm getting sick and tired. Did your mother say sick and tired? <laughs> well, first of all, she said, Gene Williams, come here this instant. Now, when your mama uses your entire name, you better listen. Amen. <laughs> and she said, come here this instant. Well, you can't get there that fast. You're already disobedient before you ever move, you know, because you can't get there that instant. Now, but, but when I got, finally got there, she said, Gene Williams, I'm getting sick and tired. And like I said, my mama could say sick and tired words than anybody ever heard in my life. She said, I'm getting sick and tired of you coming home late from school. You come home on time today or I'm going to whoop you. I said, something you don't hear much anymore. I said, yes, ma'am. Now, yes, ma'am means yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am means yes, madam. Yes, madam means you're respecting your mama. And you're not going to get a whip about then. But anyway, I said, uh, I said, yes, ma'am. And so I went to school that day. I sat down at my desk. I didn't learn one thing. I was thinking about that whipping. You know, I, 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 I didn't learn any arithmetic. I didn't learn any spelling. I didn't learn anything. I think about as soon as that bell rings, I got to go home because I don't want that whooping. And so I, uh, the bell rang. I was on my way home. A bunch of boys in the schoolyard said, come on, let's play football, Gene. I said, boy, I love football. But uh, I, I took a deep breath and I said, no, my mama said I had to get home on time today. And so I was, I was going along there, uh, uh, there on, on McKinney Avenue, going where I lived and, and uh, downtown, uh, today it's downtown, 
But uh, I never shall forget, uh, I, I saw a, the fire department there putting out a fire in a vacant lot. Now, there are no vacant lots around there now, but there was a vacant lot there then. In any case, uh, I watched them. I said, well, I'll just watch them for a second. I was just seven years old now, remember. I'd never seen them before. They were out there with their hoses, and they were out there with their boots and their uniforms. Uh, the fire truck was there. They were putting out that fire. What seven-year-old boy could pass that up? Well, I, I said, I'll watch it for a minute. Well, I'll watch it until they put out the fire. I watch them until they uh, drain the hose. I watch them until they uh, cut off the water. I watch them until they put the hose on the truck. I watch them until they started the truck, and our truck was going down McKinney Avenue. And I remembered I got to get home. I got to get home. I got to get home. I began running, running, running fast as I could, and I came to another vacant lot. And a bunch of boys out there, nine and ten years old, were playing softball, and I. I I'd ask them to let me play with them before. I'd say, let me play this. And no, kid, you can't play. You're too young. I said, no. I, I, every time I'd say, I'd say, let me play. Let me play this. And no, kid, get away, kid. You can't hit the ball. I said, let me try. I can hit the ball. I said, no, you can't play. You're too little. And so, uh, but this time I was uh, running along there. They said, come on, Gene, and play with us. Now, why did they ask me this time? <laughs> I said, I got to get home. They said, we'll let you bat. Now, I was just seven years old. I got up there and I struck out. I said, I got to go home now, boys. They said, no, you're last man in field. I, I said, no, I, my mama said I had to get home on time. They said, we say you got to be last man in field. I said, my mama said if, she, if I didn't come home on time, I was going to get a whooping. They said, if you don't get up there and be last man in field, we're going to give you a bloody nose. <laughs> now, my mama always said if I came home with a bloody nose, I was going to get a whooping. <laughs> Well, I went out there and I was last man in the field. And you see, the way they play it was, it was called workup. And every time there was an out, you could get closer to bat again. And so uh, I was out there. I started off in the right field, in the center field, left field, and third base, a shortstop, second base, first base, pitcher, catcher. But anyway, I, was, I finally got up to bats again. And they said, you can go home now. I said, do I have to? <laughs> They said, no, if you want to go home, you got to go home when you get mad. And if you get mad again and you get put out again, the rule is you got to be last in the field again. And so if you want to go home, you better go home now. So I started home. Have you ever had to get someplace you didn't want to get to? This was the first time in my life I ever considered foreign missionary service. <laughs> if I could just get my clothes, I would go help Lottie Moon. And so I thought, boy, I'd just go in. And so I, I, went, I went to that uh, Charles Apartments there at the corner of Dallas and Crawford. And, uh, uh, and I, 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 just, I, I went up that half a flight up tenement stairs, and I put my hand on the doorknob, and the door opened. And there was my mama with that great big black belt. I said, Mama, please don't want me, please don't want me, please don't want me. You ever say that? <laughs> ever do any good? I, I said, Mama, please don't me, please don't me. She said, I'm not going to whip you this time. You deserve a whipping within an inch of your life. Now, you know what it means when your mama says she's going to whip you within an inch of your life? She, that means one more inch, and you're dead. <laughs> and I didn't know if my mama could measure that well or not. You know? <laughs> In any case, uh, she said, I will whip you. You deserve a whipping within an inch of your life. I said, 
but I'm not going to whip you this time. Now, dear friend, that was mercy, but that was not grace. I, des I deserved a whipping. I didn't get it. That was mercy, but not grace. And then she said, follow me, son, and I followed her. We went to the kitchen. She said, sit down at the table, son. I did. And she went over to the icebox, no refrigerator in our apartment in those days, and she got out a half-melted strawberry sundae. And then I began to understand that the reason she commanded me to be there on time was because she knew her class was going to have a fellowship party, and she knew they were going to have ice cream and strawberries, and I'd never had ice cream and strawberries at the same time, it was during the Depression. But they had some there. They didn't divide any for me because I wasn't there. But she divided some for my mother. My mother didn't eat hers. She put hers in the icebox with this disobedient boy who deserved a whipping. A dear friend, I deserved a whipping. I didn't get it. That was merely mercy. But when my mother sacrificed her strawberries and ice cream for a disobedient boy who deserved a whipping, that was grace. I deserve to go to hell because of my sin. And so do you. I'm not glad you do. I'm not glad I do, but the fact is it's true. I deserve to go to hell. You deserve to go to hell. If God does not send us to hell, that is merely mercy. That is not grace. But listen, if God sent his son, and that son sacrificed his life in order that you might have everlasting life, that is grace. Now, if you don't go to hell, that's merely mercy. But boy, when he gave his life in order that you might have everlasting life and be with him forever in heaven, that is grace. And he offers that to you as a free gift. It says it right there in that verse, for by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. Now listen, if someone gets a gift, that means he doesn't pay for it. He doesn't work for it. It's not a bribe that he gives you, and if you do what he says, he'll let you keep it. If you don't do what he says, he'll jerk it away. No, it's a gift. It's free. Now, it costs the giver. It doesn't cost the receiver. The gift is offered to you, paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when he died on that cross and bore your sins and took your place. And the fact is, you can't be saved by your works. You've got to be saved by grace as a gift from God, not of works. You say, but wait a minute, it says something there about faith. That's right. And I tell you what, you say, well, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. You say, no, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. But you see, the, the Bible says, God says that God has given to every person a measure of faith. A measure of faith. You say, okay, a measure. I got you a measure. My measure is mine is a little. Uh, I, a lot of people have a tub full of faith, 
and uh, I just have a thimbleful. Friend, it isn't how big is your faith, it's in what do you put your faith. If you have a ton, if you have a ton of faith and put it in the church to save you, you'll go to hell. If you have a ton of faith and put it in your works to save you, you'll go to hell. If you have a ton of faith and put all of it in baptism to save you, you'll go to hell. But dear friend, if you're really saved, I want you to understand, it is true that you'll just put every bit, even though it might be a thimble full of faith, put every bit of it in Jesus to save you by his grace. He will save you by his grace. And I know you have faith because you're sitting down right now in that chair. You're trusting that chair to hold you up. And if it didn't hold you up, you'd fall flat on the floor. Amen? And it's, it's, you're trusting it. You say, well, wait a minute. That's not a good illustration. Why? You know, uh, 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 it was made to hold people up. Yes, and Jesus died to save sinners. Amen. You say, but I've seen, I've seen that chair hold other people up too. Yes, and I've seen Jesus save other people too. He saved me. He saved you. And a bunch of others are saved here now. So if you'll take the faith that you put in that chair to hold you up physically and put all of it in Jesus to save you by his grace and to forgive all of your sins and take your place, he can do it. Because when he died on the cross, all of your sins and all of my sins were laid upon Jesus, poured out upon Jesus that day. And he took your place and took my place to the end that you can be saved by his grace as a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I just wonder, have you ever trusted him to do it? Have you ever quit trusting in how good you might be able to be, but trust in Jesus and Jesus only to save you? Well, if you've done that, then you're saved. But if you're trusting something else besides Jesus, your good works can never save you. Only he can do it. And it's time to do it now. If you'll put that faith in him and trust him to save you by his grace, he'll give you the gift of eternal life right now. I wonder how many of you could say, I know I've been saved by grace. I wonder. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, please. I wonder how many of you, and I don't lie about it because God knows your heart. How many of you can say, preacher, I know for sure that I've been saved by God's grace. I've received the gift and I know that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven because I'm saved by grace. Lift your hand, thankfully, and then with it up, just thank God that it's true, and then put it down. How many others would say, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I don't hate God, and I don't want to go to hell, but I want to be saved before I die. Lift your hand high. There's several of you here. God bless you. I want to, uh, hands down, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to come grab you or anything like that. I'm not, I've never done that. I'm not going to come out there. I don't, I'm not going to call your name. I don't know your name. But I want to pray for you. 
I'm going to ask those of you that lifted your hand that you're not sure you're saved to look up at me right now. Just look up at me and keep looking. And anyone else, that, even if you didn't lift your hand, but you're not sure you're saved, you may look up too. Just keep looking. I want to say a word. I don't want you to open your mouth and say one word. But I want, I want you to listen to me. Listen carefully. Do you believe that God loves you even though you've sinned against him? Just nod your head. Don't answer out loud, but just nod your head if you believe. Do you believe he loves you even though you've sinned against him? Do you believe Jesus died for you and has the power to forgive you and save you? Do you believe he does? Do you understand you're saved by grace and not by works? Do you understand that? If you came to him and told him you were a sinner, and ask him to come into your life and forgive you and save you, you believe he'd keep his promise and do that? You believe he would? You believe he would? Do you want him to do it? If you do, then bow your head and talk to him. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask him to help you do this, but you're the one that must ask him. Right now, I'm going to ask him to help you do it, but you're the one that must ask him. Tell him you're a sinner and ask him to save you. Heavenly Father, I come to thee in the precious name of Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'll help those who lifted their hands and looked up. Lord, help each one of them as they bowed their head just to come to you right now and say to you, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But oh, Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me right now. I trust you as my only Savior right now. Help them to say that to you. Now, dear friends, those of you that were looking at me a moment ago, those of you that need to be saved, just tell him you're a sinner. He knows you are, but he wants you to admit it. Tell him you can't save yourself. He knows you can't, but he wants you to admit it. Thank him for dying for you. Thank him, and then thank him for saving your soul because you're trusting him right now. And tell him right now, Lord, I trust you as my only Savior. Thank you. And I'm going to ask those of you that were looking a moment ago to look up again right now. And I want you to look at these three fingers. Three things I want to check on. Number one, did you ask him to save you? Did you ask him to save you? Did you do it? Praise God. Number two, do you trust him? He said he would. You believe he did? He said he would. Praise God. He did. Amen. Number three, are you ashamed of Jesus? You're not ashamed of him? You sure? In other words, if you're not ashamed of him, would you mind these other people here knowing that you've trusted Jesus as your Savior? Or would you be ashamed of him? Are you ashamed of him? All right, listen, if you're not ashamed of him, man, you, you ask him to save you. You believe he did. You're not ashamed of him. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now, right where you are. Stand up. Amen. Amen. Now you said, you said you were not ashamed. I want to pray with you, and I want the, I want the pastor to pray with you, and I want those of you that are standing, indicating I've trusted Christ, 
step out from where you are and come down here and pray with us right now. I get my elders and my pastors and past and present elders come and let's pray. Let's pray together as a group. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Somebody give God a praise. Amen. I want to be sure those of you are coming, asking the Lord and trusting the Lord to be your Savior today. And you're trusting him. Do you believe? How many of you did ask the Lord to save you? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. How many of you believe Jesus did save you by his grace? Raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to pray. I'm then, then I'm going to have the pastor to pray. And pastor, we need some counselors to help as many as we can. Uh, Lord, I just come to you and I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd help these who've come to you, who've trusted you to go on in life, follow you in serving you, in reading the Bible, and and joining a good Bible-believing church and following you in obedient baptism. Help them to know that doesn't save them. Help them to know the church won't save them, the baptism won't save them, but they ought to belong to a good, strong church that believes the Bible, and they ought to be baptized as a testimony that they've trusted you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to uh, grow in grace, help them to have a life of prayer. God, help them to find some other Christians that can help them to grow in grace. I pray in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Now, the pastor, we're going to turn it to Praise God. Amen. Let's pray together. Amen. Let me give you instructions, guys. We're here for you. There's green sheets in your worship guide. Fill out those green sheets. Let us know that you made a decision to follow Christ. And the elders are going to stand with me after service right here. As we dismiss, you guys can come and pray with the elders if you need prayer. But making a decision and coming forward took a lot of courage. And we're proud of you, and we're proud of you in this church this morning. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Pastor Gene, what a wonderful message. Let's pray together. Get those decision cards, fill them out, put them in our in our barrel back there. We're going to talk to you one-on-one. Our elders, would you stay forward if anyone needs prayer? Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I see the rain coming. I hear it, Lord, coming. You're washing away all of our sins, making us white as snow, Father. Father, from this day forward, not only this group of people forward, but the whole church understands it is not by works it's by grace it's not by who we know it's by mercy lord we thank you so much for dr gene and brother john being with us today we can all leave out here to say it's been good to be in the house of the lord lord we felt your presence here this morning father dwell in these people father help them let them know this church is standing with them day in and day out In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a praise. Amen. Now. Amen. The thing about it is, you all said that you wanted to be, uh, you wanted to be old-fashioned. We're, we want to have an old-fashioned revival meeting this week. Amen? Old-fashioned revival meeting. Now, listen. Uh, 
we, we really need to get back to preaching the word of God. Amen. Yes, amen. Now, you, you, a lot of you don't come on Sunday night. I'm going to ask you this time to come Sunday night. It starts at 6 o'clock tonight. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, it's at 7. That's all. We're not going to have it for a month. Yes. But I'll tell you what, we hope revival continues for months and months. Yes, amen. The, the meeting itself, you need to come. And even though you normally don't come, maybe on Monday or Tuesday, you need to do it this time, okay? And determine we're going to do it. We're going to flip off the television. We're going to be there, and we're going to put God first this God week. God first, and, amen. Uh, and do your very best to be here. And amen. all of you that are in front of me now, you determined to come because this is a way to grow in grace. And what Amen. we're going to tell you are some things you need to know. It'll help you to grow in grace. And so we're going to turn the service to the pastor. If you'll make your way back to your seats, God bless you. Stay if you need prayer by elders. Stay right here. Just stay right here. Brother Nolan, would you all help Dr. Gene to the floor? Let him make his way back to his table. John, would you make your way back to your table or you want to sing us out? What do you want to do? All right, he's going to sing a chorus and my chains are gone after I pray. Dr. Gene, they'll go that way. Go back to his table, meet Dr. Gene. I'll, I'll be back there. I'll be back there to sign those. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but all the profits from my books and my CDs go to mission. I don't keep any of it. And if you'd like to have a bargain, uh, if you buy all my books, one of each, I will let you have a $71 worth of books for $50. Amen. Y'all go see his table back there. Is there praying right now? I just want to thank y'all for being here this morning. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Come back tonight at 6 p.m. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you. There's men and women up here that will pray with you. Stop by John's table back there, by Dr. Gene's table back there. We can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you tonight. We thank you for what you're going to do at this revival. We've already seen miracles take place this morning. Father, we love you. And as John sings, every chain is broken. Let these chains be broken, Father. Father, we come to you, and Father, with a, with a great heart today, a heart for you, a heart to carry our cross, even when it's heavy. Father, help us to serve you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Somebody give Pastor Gene and Brother John a round of applause. Amen. Sing with me. My chains are gone.